Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blaine Homers and Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. Uh, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe to our podcast, wherever it is that you uh, get your podcasts out there, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you. Uh, we're recording this episode on Tuesday, March 31st of 2020, which is the last day of what might be the strangest month of uh, my life, at least. Uh, you might know our guest today is the driving force behind the Horns Up for Peace movement. He's also a staff writer and videographer for Soonerscoop.com and host of the morning show on the uh, franchise 107.7 FM in Oklahoma City. Uh, Eddie Radosevich, uh, eventually we'll get to football or something, but how are you quarantining? Alan, what's going on? Yeah, this is, I, I think you said it, this is, in, it, it kind of goes in line with probably just about anybody else out there uh, to say that this this month, thank God we are finally to the end of March, but it is, uh, it's been one of the weirdest, strangest occurrences of my lifetime, and uh, that's obvious to uh, anybody out there that is listening and understanding what is uh, going on, not just, it, it's, I think the craziest part is, is not just what's going on in, you know, my region or the country, but literally the world, so it's, uh, it's, it's insane, and we should be talking about uh, Final Fours and the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament, but here we are and we have no spring football and it seems like life is literally just in a, a stop down until I don't know I guess we were given the AOK and even then I don't know when that's going to be so uh, I've, I've I've kind of started talking myself into thinking that uh, you know football is going to be delayed and as much as people don't want to hear that I think that's just kind of the reality of the situation and god I hope I'm wrong I hope I'm wrong here in a couple of months we can start talking about uh uh, non, I guess, important things in life like sports, but that'd be a nice break from what we've been at. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of hard because uh, I find that I'm really not that interested in most of the sports stuff right now because it's all so far off anyway. Even if we do get back to it, but um, we'll get we'll get to football here in a, in a little bit. But first of all, uh, I mean, it almost feels like Netflix like orchestrated this thing <laughs> just to perfectly time it with the release of Tiger King. No, if I. Uh, <laughs> I, if, if I would say that I hadn't thought about that a couple times as I was uh, just completely hammering down through all seven episodes, <laughs> I would be lying. But my God, what a, uh, what a tale they spun for uh, the documentary. And, you know, the thing that I think that I, I think people appreciate about it, but I certainly hope I, I certainly did as far as the production value of what they got out of those seven episodes. I'm not a any type of, uh, I guess, award uh, guy that hands out awards for documentaries, but I thought that was one of the most well-put-together documentaries in quite some time, from the footage that they were able to get, from the interviews they were able to get, and then 
you add in the zaniness of, uh, I guess, the ensemble of characters, it, uh, it was an absolutely unbelievable story. Well, yeah, you think about it, like, they were filming when a staff member got uh, his arm, I guess, <laughs> I believe that's, I believe that oh character's God. trans, yeah, got his arm ripped off by a tire, and actually were filming as it was going on, and filming the immediate fallout, and, uh, I mean, you know, they didn't stop, <laughs> they just kept going, I mean, you know. Those videographers have some balls on them, not just to climb in cages with, uh, whether it be Joe or ever but just to, to be able to get all of that and just keep rolling in some of those dicey moments it was uh i had a lot of respect for the way that they put that thing together and then you have the uh, the subject matter mm-hmm. and you know how much did you know about joe exotic uh you know because I, I think oklahomans they definitely or at least the people that are living here right now they knew who he was but i don't think that people had any idea the levels of what joe exotic was and you certainly were able to kind of fill in the blanks when you would see an article about um you know him or whatever is happening down at that zoo down in Winniewood in uh, the lost ogle or whatever you want to read uh but i don't think people realize including myself how many levels he had to uh his craziness Right. You know, I mean, even living outside the state, I mean, I, you know, my friends uh, back home were always, you know, s- sending me different uh, snippets of the stuff that Joe Exotic was was up to, um, you know, it, but, you know, he clearly didn't have the same kind of uh, national reach. But and now everybody's like, oh, my God. And it's like to me, it's like, oh, well, I knew about this or that, you know, <laughs> and like on top of that now, you know, his some of his other videos were. He's uh, getting uh, pretty provocative that that weren't even uh, discussed, you know, uh, you know, his uh, views on maybe race and uh, whatnot uh, coming out, you know, uh, now yeah. on YouTube. And it's like and people are, are, you know, kind of shocked by it. it's like, oh, no, I mean, that's that was always part of, uh, of Joe's uh, Joe's whole shtick. No. Yeah, you kind of uh, you kind of assume there was some side to him. They kind of screwed on it in the throughout the documentary. Obviously, I mean, if a guy's paying somebody to go have somebody killed, there you have a couple screws, or just to put some of the stuff that he put together out on YouTube to have a couple screws loose. But uh, you know, you look at the guy, and he's such an interesting character in that. I think you do, uh, and Kersey and I talked about this as well that you kind of look past his faults because he does have a certain charisma about him. But then you have those moments where you're struck back into reality and, you know, this guy is a pretty bad dude. And he was probably uh, violating all sorts of laws as far as owning animals and the way he was taking care of them. Not to mention the way that he was treating, you know, his employees and the drug use uh, that was going yeah. on out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you find ways to look past it. And then you have, uh, you know, basically who I think is maybe one of the biggest slime balls in the history of uh, criminal activity in Jeff Lowe and uh, Doc Annell running basically a cult out in South Carolina. Oh, My yeah. God, it was just the whole thing was uh, it was unbelievable. I just yeah. kept thinking, like, I cannot believe this is how this whole thing is coming together. And like how he didn't, you know, end up on the wrong side of the law sooner. But like one question, did you ever go to the uh, Greater Winniewood Exotic Zoo? I didn't. And that is going to forever be one of uh, those things that I look back and say, man, I really should have. I I remember uh, it was like a 
know, just a, a regular Wednesday and I was in school and I had a couple of fraternity brothers come through and, you know, they were going to go down there and check it out. And, uh, I literally remember them coming back and then telling us stories about what had happened and it was nothing crazy, but it was exactly what you would think it was. And, you know, I, I remember them talking about Joe and his presentation that he would give, uh, to all the people in attendance. And it was kind of basically what you saw on the video as far as, uh, you know, not really having much of a censor, possible, basically racist comments here and there throughout the uh, presentation, mm-hmm. and just that feeling of what else is going on around here. And I, I think yeah. that everybody that went down there kind of got that feeling. And you know, thank God they didn't need any. As anybody that has watched the uh, the episodes knows. Oh yeah, God! You knew, you knew right where. Yeah, <laughs> you knew where that pizza was coming from. But the other thing that I thought—I mean, like you start thinking about, like Barrett Sally pointed out, like I mean, the the inspiration from Scarface was featured in this movie, in this documentary, <laughs> and it's like not even—it's like barely even a blip. You know what I mean? Like the Florida yes. stuff, a lot of that like was was got to me like. I wanted I wanted to learn a lot more about uh, that Don Lewis guy who uh, the guy who uh, disappeared. Man, I mean, like the stuff they're saying his daughter was saying he's a sexaholic and like you know the for the first uh, little thing he had there with Carol where he's like you know you can you can hold me at gunpoint and we'll talk like I mean God and not not to mention the fact that. I think everybody just kind of overlooked the fact that uh, when he married his first wife, and I understand this is kind of the way that it went back in the day, but she was 14 yeah, when, that's he, right. when he married her. Like, <laughs> you should never be connected to anybody. And you say, oh, and by the way, when they got married, she was 14. That should never be a sentence that is spoken. And then did you see her, her third, I guess that was this would be her third husband, the guy that was still in the movie. Like, did you see their wedding photos where he's dressed like a, like kind of like a kinky Fred Flintstone and like she's leading him around on a leash and stuff? If, if, I, if I had to rank every cast members as the creepiest, Howard Baskin might be number one. That guy, something tells me not only uh, is he in that, little kinky outfit more often than not after <laughs> yeah. the sun goes down. But I feel like he is kind of like taking care of all of her other little uh, criminal activity. Like he's just the, the cover guy uh, or the wolf for her, if you will. It's just the whole thing was, was incredible. And, and, you know, they had a, they had a uh, press conference, I think on Tuesday to announce if there had been any recent activity in the Don Lewis uh, disappearance and just the whole thing is it's insane to even like each character could have had seven episodes on them let alone they wrap it all into uh all into one but i'll give it up to them i mean they they kept me on the edge of my seat through uh through episode seven and you know it's a good documentary when you go back and you start looking for more information and i'm sure that uh at some point was it kate mckinnon that has maybe agreed to a biopic for uh, i think so yeah that's going to be amazing because I can. She would. She would do such a good job. Uh, I can just see her playing the crazy hippie child flower power girl. That oh god, yeah, is. the flower crown and everything. Totally, totally. But today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. But my my other my last question about Tiger King for you is: Do you think we'll get like a James Garretson spinoff? Man, it has to be something, right? I mean, they're not going to just let this. They're not going to let this thing die. And especially, uh, I think I saw right before we started today that uh, old Joe might be in quarantine himself for uh, COVID nineteen. Oh uh, God! In, you, you, in then again, he's so. probably got like some crazy immunities given everything he's been exposed to, man. There is no doubt when you live the life that he did, uh, I would imagine that COVID-19 stands no chance against Joe Exotic. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll probably pull through. <laughs> he'll pull through there. Yeah, God. Absolutely. I know. I know. Well, you know, so you mentioned uh, the possibility of not having a football season this year. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of gearing up for that. I mean, it just seems to me like the way this is going. I, I mean, have you heard anything in terms of you know, like kind of contingency plans? You know, like starting the season later than you know Labor Day weekend, that type of thing. Oh, I've seen probably everything that everybody else has seen as far as people throwing scenarios out there. Nothing, uh, you know, that I would say is official by any means. Uh, you know, I I do think that you know just for Oklahoma, for instance. Personally, I don't know how I would feel in a couple months about traveling up to uh, West Point to watch OU play Army and cover that. I, you know, just knowing how New York City is right now, knowing how the state of New York is, I just kind of find it hard to believe. But then again, you kind of start going down that path, and you got to remind yourself that you know you're still in the end of March, basically the uh, beginning of April, and that's five six months down the road, and it's hard to think. Uh, you know, I guess in terms of being that far down the line, but you know, I, if, if you're going to really put me down and say, you know, what option do you like the best? I would say that, you know, I guess in a way, scrapping all the non-conference games, playing a nine game conference schedule, you take your five uh, power five champions and then three wild cards, call it an eight man, 18 playoff. And in, in a sense, I kind of think that'd be the best option. Like I, I, Maybe that would be a drastic change for the NCAA and how they operate. But at the same time, there's so much money involved. Uh, that's where you start thinking there's no way that some of these you know, schools and obviously the television networks, if they're not going to get Major League Baseball, if they're not going to get NBA basketball, how long would they hold out for the NFL and college football? And you know, I think that's where that conversation starts really getting interesting. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Alan, I – I I would find it hard to believe that we would go into 2021 without any kind of sporting events. Um, and maybe that's just me trying to talk myself into thinking there's just no possible way that could happen. But then again, the of our situation right now, it's kind of hard to know what's going to happen next week or tomorrow, let alone uh, what's going to happen here in five, six months from now. Yeah, you know, I mean <laughs> – one of the uh, you know options that I've seen is even pushing it back into the spring. I don't know if they do something like that. Uh, it just seems though like you know 
just to kind just logistically, even when it comes to like testing these guys, making sure that there's a player who is sure. infected out there. I mean, and then having a quarantine process if they do know. I mean, God, you know, you're going to have to be doing the testing pretty much nonstop, I, I would think. And then on top of that, like, you know, uh, what if they get they have to get into, you know, every everybody, in fact, has to get in probably by like July if you want to start in September. I mean, you know, there'll still be parts of the country dealing with like outbreaks and stuff like this at that point. I, I would assume so. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And the whole thing is just—it's—it's it's really screwed up in a way. Uh, I guess for a lack of better terms, because you—I guess it's a little bit because of the unknown. As far as you have to make sure that not only is you know the OU team uh, and nobody that ev- even comes in contact with those guys uh, infected, but you know, it, there's just so much out there as far as what we don't know about the virus right now. And um, we're still learning about the virus. It's just hard to think that you're going to be able to get 85,000. Like I, the idea of playing in front of fans right now, I almost don't even entertain that. Like if we get any type of sporting events back, it's going to be an empty arena or an empty stadium. And we're just going to kind of have to live with this new reality. And, you know, it sucks, but. Shit, we're just we're still trying to get people to stay inside, let alone get yeah, exactly, back yeah, out and then stadiums. like, and then you know when you start to think about that, you know this entire plan would be contingent upon getting a bunch of uh, college students to cooperate and everything. You know, God. I mean, like that part of it. You know, I don't know, but one of the things I've been thinking about too, though, is trying to figure out like, okay, so spring practice is out. You know, summer workouts are all screwed up at this point. You know, like competitively, like does that I realize everybody's dealing with the same problems at this point, but like competitively, does this favor any anybody? Like I was thinking, like maybe, maybe if you have an older team, for example, like yeah. it might be, it might might work work in your advantage, right? Yes, sure. And you know, I I think you know, particularly from an Oklahoma perspective, I'm not somebody that sits around and says, you know, this this team needed to go through spring, but in a sense. They did need to go through spring. I mean, I think that there was a lot of growth that was going to have to happen uh, for, you know, specifically for Oklahoma during the spring, just for the fact that, uh, you know, you're breaking in a new quarterback. He needed to get some reps for Spencer Rattler. He needed to work with guys that, uh, you know, in a way he had worked with throughout the last season. But, uh, you know, he, he certainly hadn't worked the first team reps with those guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, he left tackles the same kind of situation they were going to have to find somebody in the middle and uh you know was david awakeboo going to be the guy at middle it just there was so many question marks for oklahoma going into this year that they needed that spring uh to kind of take advantage of it and so yeah i i I do think that maybe a team that has a little bit of um i guess veteran veteran play uh Uh you know particularly at the quarterback position probably a little bit of a step ahead of some others but uh this kind of just the way it is it's gonna be really interesting to see and you know even the fact that they can't get together uh you know and i'm i think you've seen um oh who was it i think trajan bridges and theo weiss have been working out together down in dallas but Mm -hmm. you know they're they're certainly not working out with spencer rattler every day i mean he's back in arizona right now so Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing comes together. You listen to somebody like Brian Kelly talk, you feel like he would need six months to get ready for the season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that's probably a little much. I think that's probably a little uh, overly dramatic on his part. But, um, you know, these guys are going to need some type of 
um, you know, extended month long training camp or whatever you want to call it. So yeah. that's when you start thinking like, you know, and I, we, I threw it out there just a minute ago, just as far as, you know, this is still six, five, six months away, but all of a sudden you start, you know, kind of counting up those months and getting everything together. And all of a sudden you're pushing right. right up to the end of August. Right, right. That lead time. Yeah. You know, you wonder too, like a team like Texas, for example, I mean, they've got a four year starter at quarterback, but They've got two new coordinators, you know. I mean, sure. God, what's that going to look like, you know? Sure. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I just it, it would definitely throw a a weird kind of variable into the season, like compared to most years, you know. No doubt about it, and you know, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, they're not going to be able to. We're not going to wake up and just have a cutoff date and say, okay, everything is going to be back to normal by then. And I think just that kind of uncertainty and that unknown is what makes me think that we're going to look at a delayed start to the season. And I hate that as much as anybody. I mean, that's kind of what we do is we cover football and, you know, we talk about football every morning. So it's, uh, it's been weird, but you know, it's kind of the, I guess in a way, the new reality that we live in and, you know, back to some type of normalcy. I don't know if it's ever going to be normal again. I, this in a really I guess bad comparison. It feels like nine eleven in a way that mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some changes that you know probably affect us for the rest of our lives, and we're going to just kind of have to figure out a way to live with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, wrapping up here, like if you had one goal for the social distancing period, one thing you really want to get done or whatever, what is it? Man, honestly, probably mature. It's a little <laughs> time to look in the mirror. I've, uh, I've, I was telling my parents the other day, it's like, I can't remember the last time that I stayed at home and cooked every night of the week. And I found myself like looking up recipes and like yeah. figuring out <laughs> yeah. a way to, to stay healthy. And it's, uh, maybe, I don't know here in about a month, we'll have to check back in. I'll probably be back up to my old bullshit, but right now it's, uh, I feel like I'm taking this thing pretty seriously. And I think that, you know, most of the people that I know are too. And I would hope that uh, that continues and we can get a couple other people to uh, jump on the bandwagon because as soon as they do, I think we'll have a much better chance of being able to talk about football here in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hope. That's my hope. Well, Eddie, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate uh, you coming on. Really enjoy, obviously everything you do, uh, you know, sooner scoop and uh, with the franchise and whatnot, uh, Really, really uh, glad you were able to uh, come on, join me, and uh, commiserate about what's been going on this last month. Absolutely. At least the Tiger King delivered. At least the Tiger King gave us something to talk about. I always enjoy it. Uh, Anytime, give me a shout, Alan. It's always a good time to talk to you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again to our guest, Eddie Radosevich, the SoonerScoop.com, and uh, the franchise. Make sure to check out uh, all the stuff they're doing there. And uh, thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Boynton Overson Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.